Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Welcome back. Everyone gets a trophy. I'm joined by my man, Randy Boone. Randy, I've missed you, man. I've been doing these position breakdowns with Ian, a, a uh, august two-year tradition. This is our second year of that tradition with me and Ian breaking down every position group. I have been able to record every single one of those conversations, uh, which is good. Bonus. Um, I've been known to not hit record sometimes, and uh, that's always bad. But missed you, man. You've been doing some work. What have you been up to? Yeah, it's been good. I've been traveling quite a bit still. But uh, kind of wrapping up some stuff. But yeah, it's been pretty busy. So uh, it's been good. I've been able to uh, catch most of those that you've done with Ian lately. And uh, it's been good. It's been very interesting, y'all's breakdown. And I always like Ian's Ian's take on stuff. I think he's sort of an outside-the-box guy. And uh, yep. it's uh, it's nice to uh, to hear something different other than the kind of repeat stuff that you typically hear uh, driving around on, on the radio shows. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's good to talk to Ian. Um, even when I disagree with him, it makes me think about something differently. And that's that's good. It's always good to have friends or colleagues that kind of test your assumptions. Because if everyone's in agreement, probably either it's completely obvious or there's something very obvious that all of you are yeah. missing, right? Yeah, well, the, I mean, the deal is always, you know, if if someone's in disagreement, do you have a reason, right? I mean, you know, is is there a backing point or whatever to it? And he, he always has one, you know, agree or not with it, but there there's a, uh, you know, there's a reason why he he's formed the opinion that he has, and you know, most of the time, it it does, like you said, it kind of will uh will make you stop and think about something a little bit more than what maybe you had before. Agreed. Yeah. Well, so I've actually finished all of these they're in the can with ian all the positions are done we've uh been working late nights and cranking them out and uh, i'll release those um and then we'll be all caught up everyone between those position previews me talking to randy you guys buying the thinking texas football preview you'll be set of course join inside texas read there you'll be the most informed longhorn fan not just in the room but in all the stands the stands where people are going to be falling to the ground, <laughs> having heat to, yeah. strokes. You can impress all the people around you that drank too much before the game and passed out. <laughs> you can impress all the people who are in the alumni center watching the game in air exactly. conditioning yeah. and then trickling to the game maybe uh, yeah. in the second half sometimes. Once that, once that shade hits, it'll be a lot better, right? What's the hottest game you've ever played in? Uh, honestly, it, this is going to be dumb, but... Um, when I was probably 
Ooh, 16 or 17. Uh, I was, we were playing a Babe Ruth tournament uh, back when Babe Ruth was kind of a thing around here. And uh, we went to Del Rio and their stadium is a converted bullfighting arena. And it is a 10 foot high cinder block wall around the entire outside of it. Right in the middle of August. And yeah, that was that was pretty brutal. There There's some times on Dish Vault where you felt like you were melting. But I'd probably have to say that Del Rio tournament was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. Thankfully, we won, so it wouldn't. It probably would have been even worse if we'd have lost. Dude, this is wild. So listen to this: the hottest game I've ever been in. We scrimmaged Del Rio. In Del Rio. Was it in the bullfighting arena? <laughs> I, all I know is that it was a turf no, surface. Different, yeah. And it was about. It was, it was a really hot summer. I remember that because our coaches were bitching because the AISD mandated water breaks and that you didn't like, cause they kind of had the, like, you have to earn your water break. Right. It's like, they're like, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And the AISD basically said, you have to give them a water break every 45 minutes. And so they were like, go get your water break. And it was like, you know, 109. Yeah. We were doing two-a-days. We also, yeah. my senior year, we had a new coach who was going to establish a culture. Right. Absolutely. And he, he decided we'd do three-a-days for the first five days. Uh, nice. So he established a culture by destroying our legs that probably lasted into like the fourth week of the season. But um, yeah. that's, that's why we didn't go to the playoffs, Randy. That's why. It wasn't our that's lack of talent. But no, it. we played Del, we scrimmaged Del Rio. And it was no joke, 125 on the, on the surface. And you, like you, if you put your hand on the ground and held it there, like when you were stretching, your hand was hurting. You, like you'd be like ah, and like shake it. Uh, it. And I, I remember when I was done, I took my pads off, and you know you have your little gray undershirt, like half shirt. I took that off and ringed it out, right? And I ringed out everything before we got on the bus. And I I think I lost nine pounds. We had linemen on our team who dropped like double digit weight. It was crazy. I mean, it was nuts. So Del Rio, Texas, it gets hot. It gets a little, little toasty down there. Yeah, we had a couple couple practices in uh, in college where guys, uh, you know, you throw your turfs over to the side when you put your spikes on, and uh, yeah, it took a little effort to get those turfs uh, back off the turf when uh, yeah when you're going little little nice little melted rubber outline around them. So. There's been some hot ones, but now that that uh, that tournament in Del Rio is probably the probably the winner for me. Are you a sweater? So like when yes. you when yeah. you were pitching, would you just Terrible. be drenched? Terribly, I'm so terrible. I'm a I'm a sweater as well, which apparently is a sign of health. So that's how I was, was going to say. Somebody told me somebody told me at one point that it's a sign of being in shape. Um, that is not the case for me. Not now. always. Now I, now I just sweat. <laughs> Maybe back when I was in shape, it was a yes. sign. But yeah, I'm nowhere near in shape now. I'm a shape. Um, but, um, yeah, still sweat the same and it's, it's miserable. I hate it. There's what, plenty of people that, uh, that are blessed with the ability to kind of shuttle, uh, a little bit, but no, I'm not one of those people. Yeah. When I was boxing, my sweating was a sign of my health. Uh, later in life, it was uh, a sign of fatness and lethargy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm with you, man. Uh, I, I'm always curious about that because yeah, there's, I know girls who it could be 110 degrees and they're running. And when they're done, they have like a, a little Nothing. glow like Nothing. on their face, a little, yep. they, they brush it off their forehead and they're like, Oh, that was, that was good. 
And they're like, oh, I need a shower. And you're like, no, you really don't. Actually, you, you look fine. You smell yep. great. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, must be, must be right. nice. Exactly. Must be nice. All right, man. We can't bury the lead on this. But before we talk about Brett Yormark and the buffoonery of the Big 12, I want to talk about a guy who is not a buffoon other than when he argues about the Astros with Randy. Uh, that's that's right. entertaining. Yeah. But his name is Gabe Winslow, and he is an incredibly sharp mortgage guy. Uh, Randy and I know this from firsthand experience. We're not just uh, plugging a guy that uh, we don't know. Uh, Gabe's really good at what he does. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Look, hey, man, I'll level with y'all. Interest rates are up right now. But if you need to buy a house, you need to buy a house. If you need to refi your house and tap into some equity for something, that's what you need to do. Uh, Go with the best, particularly in a highly volatile interest rate environment. Gabe is the best. He's an incredibly sharp guy. He's got a law degree uh, from a really good law school. He's a freaking former National Merit Scholar. Why is he a mortgage guy? Clearly underachieving. He should be working at NASA. Right. Yeah. But I'm glad he's a mortgage guy and he enjoys it's lazy. His, uh, that's right. <laughs> not, not for his customer, Randy. <laughs> not for his customers. But Gabe, uh, give him a call. He's a really sharp guy. He's really hardworking. And uh, you'll find out very quickly why so many people who listen to this pod who have called Gabe rave about him. So give them a call, 832-557-1095. And if you really want to get your financial house in order after you do a mortgage with Gabe, you got to call our man, David McClellan. He's got more national titles than Randy Boone. That's that's one thing that I know about him. It's uh, not, both not, of them hard, have not more, hard to do. But Now, do both of you have more national titles than me? Or do I get to do the, the fan thing that the, no. all the national titles belong to me? No, you don't get to claim this. Okay, so I have zero. In fact, I probably didn't even help. I probably I'll give you a half. Us. I'll give you a half. How about that? Oh, I get a half share. Yeah. Nice. Just for the book. Just for the book. You wrote a book, right? <laughs> I did a write a book. We're gonna. It's not a magazine. We'll the- it's a, it's a high <laughs> form of literature. Well, we're gonna talk about this half share and what its value might be. I wonder if I can sell this half share of national title on eBay. The guy to talk to about that is David McClellan because he is a financial whiz. Uh, aside from being a, a really great guy, you can reach David at three one two. 933-8823. He is uh, fantastic at what he does. He works for Forum Financial. And uh, he's he's so well-respected, Randy. I don't know if you know this, but he was asked by Kiplinger, which is one of the premier personal finance magazines out there. It's like Smart Money, those magazines. They asked him to write a, a multi-part series on how your retirement IRA could be a, a tax bomb. And it's a really interesting, sophisticated look at retirement planning. Uh, I'm a guy who thinks he's financially adept. David, when I talked to him, I realized very quickly that I don't know anything. Uh, this is a guy worth talking to. You can talk, talk to him for a half hour for free, and he'll look at your financial situation, evaluate it, and give you some good advice. And uh, if you guys have an opportunity to work together, great. If you don't, you got great advice from a really sharp guy and a really cool guy. David McClellan, 312-933-8823. All right, Randy, I did write a book. It's called the 2023 Longhorn Football Prospectus, Thinking Texas Football. It's still available. It's it's on its dying legs, Randy. Let's be frank. Uh, we're <laughs> we're only a few days from kickoff, and and I'm watching my sales on on Smashwords, Apple, and Amazon go go uh, down, and uh, and not the direction you want on a graph. We need we need to get the listeners to start telling their friends <clears throat> to pick it up so they're as informed as they are. Then. 
That's right. If, if every listener would just tell 10 friends, I could retire from this stupid podcast and write yeah, these let's, dumb books. Let's Ponzi, <laughs> let's Ponzi scheme this thing. Let's, let's Ponzi it up, man. <laughs> I'm making a pyramid with my hands right now. I do appreciate you allowing me to plug the book, Randy. Uh, thank you. Uh, hey, let's talk about Brett Yormark. So we got a little indication of when the people say the quiet things out loud, they're not supposed to say. We got that with Tim Weiser about a month ago at Big 12 Media Days when he was a jackass. Uh, Texas would rather lose to uh, Alabama than lose to Kansas State, other than the fact that we beat Kansas State six years in a row. Thanks for paying attention there, Tim. Uh, and Iowa State, I got to say, I don't think they're going to be a problem this year, Randy. I'm not sure. Mm, nah. <laughs> yeah. I have, thinking, I'll, I'll make a bet on that. They may not field a team. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, I'm very pleased about my Iowa State Cyclones under bet that I made before all the, the gambling news officially broke. Yeah. I heard it through the grapevine, Randy, and I made a, I made a call, and I'm glad I did it. Uh, so let's talk about what Brett Yormark said, because it's actually more egregious than actually what Weiser said. Um, yes. He, he was standing up in front of a Texas Tech crowd, He's feeling himself a little bit. He's feeling the crowd respond to him. And so he goes into this, you know, we're glad to be rid of Oklahoma and Texas a year early. Uh, and by the way, Joey McGuire, you better do your job Thursday after Thanksgiving or, or whatever he said, Friday after Thanksgiving. That is, is it good when the nonpartisan, unbiased commissioner of a league actively roots against another team before the season even starts is, is that a good thing generally no it's not but i mean it's not surprising i just uh i kind of general consensus from everybody was that they had more of a problem with the uh the first part of that statement than the last one right yes that uh oh we're you know they had it, no you're not glad to be rid of texas and oklahoma and you didn't get rid of them a year early it, that was uh, them and the networks thing uh, but I disagree. I thought, I thought the last part was the most egregious thing because then you just open yourself up to any type of scrutiny over anything that happens over this um, entire football season, which is just stupid if you're the commissioner of a league, especially when you're insulting the team that is perceived by many to be the best team in the league. Um, yes. Uh, so this actually dovetails with the little Iowa State shot I just took. Because why does any sports, why does any sport freak out about gambling? Legitimacy. Legitimacy, the integrity of the game. You want to know that the game means something. It's not yep. kayfabe. It's not WWF. It's not manufactured, right? If you question legitimacy of a sport, viewership of that sport disappears. Because you're selling the legitimacy and the meritocracy of sports, which we which we love, right? Yep. So when you say things like that and you're in charge of the league, which includes the officials that officiate yep. that league, and you put yep. out a, a message, a cultural message, implicit or otherwise, saying this is a result this conference wants, you're actually dragging in questions about the integrity and legitimacy of the game if you've got officials who are company men. Yep. Well, even even if those guys go out and do their jobs in the back of their mind, they know that that statement's been made. 
Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're, it, you, you've laid the groundwork for everybody in the world to question everything at this point, which is, I mean, he's a, we've talked about it before. Awful. I mean, he's a WWE guy. He's trying to drive eyes to the TV and eyes to the conference and whatever, because he doesn't have anything other than Texas and OU and they're about to leave. So he's got to do something right. Um, But this is just, I don't know who the hell his advisor is or if he just did it on his own, but not, I mean, this isn't me as a Texas fan. This is just me as a businessman. It's, it's one of the dumber things that I've seen in my life. I mean, it's just, yeah, I've got examples I can make. I mean, well, let's put it this way. Like what business is business. Rewind the Oklahoma state game in Austin six years ago, however long ago that was now, if yeah. that game takes place this year, you, there's no other side of the argument. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I would argue that it was as egregious as it was, but if that happens this year and you know, the conference commissioner said that, I mean, it's done. Like, you know why it happened. What's interesting is there were some preceding comments to the one that went viral and it was him also saying, you know, they say Texas and OU are so-called blue bloods. I question that. Uh, one of them, I guess, is good at some Olympic sports. Well, that that came from McGuire. Oh, that's what McGuire said. That that came from McGuire, from what I understand. Oh, so, okay. So I thought your mark had said that, but it was no, McGuire. No, I, I think that was a McGuire statement. And he was the guy saying, we're going to show them on the way out who really runs the conference. Right. I mean, and, and he's doing his thing at the Texas Tech booster meeting, and I get all that. But like I said, we, I think we talked about it a few podcasts ago. Like, I, I'd love to root for the guy because I think he's a good coach, uh, but he just happens to be at Tech, and he says stuff that's just stupid. Well, and he feeds their sense of inadequacy and grievance, right? Very They're, much so. Tech is the classic, like, the guy that you're just sitting talking to and he goes, you think you're better than me? And you're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Yeah, dude, I'm just sitting over here just having a beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just hanging out. I, I guess, yeah. yeah, sorry I'm wearing a Texas shirt. You know, whatever. Yep. Um, yep. He feeds that and, and I get it. Um, and it's, it's smart on his part. Yeah. I, I'm starting to think he might be re- writing some checks that he can't cash. Oh, I 100% agree. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's got the squad that he thinks he has. Or wishes he has one way or the other, um, but yeah, I think he's a little over his skis at this point with uh, with what he's what he's saying. Well, I was chatting with Randy before this podcast, and uh, there was a, a YouTube game on a high school game in Austin of my old high school playing our rival, and uh, it's the Taco Shack Bowl. You know, it's right up there with Michigan, Ohio State, Texas OU, and. Uh, it's it's Anderson and McCallum, and uh, the two schools really don't like each other at all. And Anderson is, I guess, destroying them right now. And they were up 35 to nothing in the second quarter and went for it on fourth and 10 at midfield. So I think we're kind of looking at that sort of behavior in Austin if Tech comes in and we can get up. And I fully endorse it. Uh, I'm here for 100%. it, and I'm down for it. I want Texas to leave a bunch of bodies as they exit this league. Yep. Uh, and by the way, I don't mind if OU does it to a few teams too. Uh, although my I, general I, I, instinct is to always pull against OU no matter what. 
I may make an exception for that this year, to be honest with you. Even when OU winning might benefit from Texas, I still feel apprehension that there's there's like a satanic agreement here. There's a devil's bargain. I'm I'm so, typically that way. I'm typically that way as well. But uh, yeah, I may uh, I may make a one year exception at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly I'm about right. I'm about tired of all this stuff. I I think that you about nailed it. I'm about tired of this too. So, all right. Well, are we going to hear more from the? Uh, Vince McMahon that runs the Big Twelve. Yes. You think oh, he's no, gonna have no. more comments through the year? No, I, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I, I think that's his plan. I, I think his plan is to be clickbait and uh, try and stir up as much controversy and everything uh, while he can, while he has Texas and OU on on his uh, docket to use. Because uh, I think it was Jerry on one of the pods that they do. Um, uh, he re- referred to him as basketball Brett from here he on is. out. That's great. Uh, you got you got nothing else after after Texas. No, you leave. He is. I mean, this is and it is going to be a good basketball conference. He's right. Like, but cool. Uh, yeah, it's great. So is the A10 or whatever they're called now with all those people up there in the Northeast. They can hang out together. This is a man who played a bunch of professional baseball up in New England in the, and he, in the Northeast. Yeah. And he's glad to be back in Texas. That that's yeah, that's that was, that's the sound of a man yeah. who's who's had his fill. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, um I I do kind of wonder if at some point a Big 12 lawyer steps in and says, "Hey man, you got to you got to cut this out." So I was wondering about that, uh, just kind of thinking about it after I had heard this. I was like, "Do you?" He doesn't strike me as the type of guy to run stuff by his lawyer. No. Uh, I'm not that familiar with him, but just the few things that I've you know seen and heard. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you there on that because it, it this one especially, I was like. Man, that's just bad for business. Like, I mean, yeah, you want to get people a little riled up. You want to get some people interested, and you're trying to drive, you know, drive eyes to TV sets and all that good stuff. I get it. Um, sooner or later, somebody's going to slap this dude and be like, "Hey, look, man, uh, we had a conference to run, and uh, you're not helping." Yeah, and I got to think it when he does come to Austin to watch that Tech game. You better sit on top of the tower. I, I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna say, hey man, we're we're all full in this luxury box, but there's a seat for you in the student section, and yeah. we're gonna make sure we're gonna make sure to announce you, so that you can get all the accolades that you deserve. Put them on the jumbotron about seven times. It'd be great. That would be pretty awesome. That would be epic. So yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, revenge is a dish best served cold. So 100%. let's let's revisit this back in November. Hundred percent. Um, hey, a little bit of news with regards to the Texas football team. Mo Blackwell inside Texas is reporting that he is injured. I don't know the exact nature of the injury, but he's going to miss several weeks. So we hope he heals up quick. Mo is a guy who's certainly going to play at linebacker, sort mm-hmm. of that hybrid linebacker as well. He's also a big special teams guy. So uh, I think we do have people that can replace him and and all yes. that, but. You know, yeah. linebacker position we don't want to get too thin at. So no, yeah, important death piece. Uh, good player from all reports and everything, but uh, you know, hopefully he heals up quick. But uh, you know, definitely 
someone that doesn't elicit a the world's falling or the sky's falling uh type of yeah deal. Hopefully it's not hey, serious and we get him back. Hey, do you have any thoughts as as Texas basically is going to be going into a standard game week preparation next week? Do you have any thoughts on camp? Any any interesting things that struck you that maybe we haven't talked about enough or maybe we've talked too much about and we need to ease up a little bit and chill. I th- the, the the couple things I would say is I wouldn't get too caught up in the wide receiver depth charts uh, as to who's backing up who and where and what, because I think if certain things happen, that all goes out the window and the best guys that are available are going to be on the field. It wouldn't surprise me to see Worthy in the slot a lot more than what people are thinking or or a move to the slot uh, in motion, uh, something along that line. Um, and the other thing I would caution people about, and I just got to have to, I got to get my one stat uh, comment in uh, every podcast just because I hate them. Um, <laughs> averages are averages. Somebody can go off for 200 yards one game and have no catches for zero yards the next game, and they're averaging 100 yards. That doesn't mean they're reliable. Um, you know, there's been talk about the punter and this and that and uh, Sanborn or whatever. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to be really, really good. But if his job is to pin people inside the 20, which is what I hope his job is, so I hope he's not trying to flip the field from our 10 very much. Don't be surprised if he averages 38 yards a punt with 20 inside the 20s. Right. And people freak out because we brought in this punter that dropped six yards in average per punt, but he actually performed his job as he was intended to do. So things Agreed. things of that nature are something to kind of, you know, with a mouse to feed on offense, I wouldn't get too caught up in averages because I think it could be a, this. We talked about it before. This could be Worthy's game. Somebody may decide to take away Worthy. This could be Nair's game. This could be AD's game. This could be Whittington's. You know, it it may slide around, and they all may average seventy yards a game, right? But it may come in the form of one twenty and two touchdowns one week, and two catches for thirteen yards the next week. Yep, I agree. And and former high school punter Randy Boone. Yeah, it's it's near and dear to my heart. It was really, really important to me to make that comment. But it's just something that happens that people well, get caught up on. Unless people have been around people who can actually punt, like at the college level, I don't. So I don't know if the average casual fan knows that the average college punter can actually line drive a punt further oh, yeah, than you, their their average. Yeah, they could. They could kill it 70 yards if they wanted to on a line. Yeah. But if you kick a fast, low line drive punt right to the returner before your gunners can get out there, that thing's coming back. And your coach, your special teams coach is going to chew your ass. Yep. So there's a reason that they value hang time. Now, I know the retort is Michael Dixon. Michael Dixon is a punting god. <laughs> like yeah, Shane yeah, Leckler. He's the exception, he's the exception of the rule. But he was asked to flip the field a lot. Yes. A whole lot, actually. He had to. Yeah. He, he we needed we were backed up on our own 15. We were like, hey, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need you to get into this one here, Chief. Like 
you know, hang time be damned. We need you to kick this thing 70 yards. But but a non-returnable 42-yard punt inside yep. the 20 is incredibly valuable. So, 100%. And, and it's just hidden yards. If you add that up over the course of the game, it can be 50 yards of field position. 100%. And the little the little that I know about this, this guy, just from a little bit of brief research and everything, I think he's really good at that. Yeah, I think it's documented somewhere. Yeah, it, I, I may have read it. I, <laughs> I, I can't remember where I read it, but it may have been in Paul's book. I don't know. Yes, I, I, I'm enough of a nerd that I actually wrote two paragraphs but, uh, about the punter and why it's important that he. he but I actually did. But I actually did do a little bit of research in him. He's supposedly very good at controlling, uh, controlling ball flight, direction, and all that. Um, yeah. If he needs to, I think he is a guy that can flip the field. But like I said, let's hope that most of the time he's punting from our own 40. Yeah, well, that's the acceptable place for this offense to punt. If we're punting Correct. from the 50, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go nuts. I'm going to yell and we should be going for it. Yes, yeah, that's why I'm I said around 40. Yeah. Even if it's fourth and 10. No, 100%. I freaking yeah. go fourth and 14. I, I feel you. But uh, hey, I want to talk. I want to get your opinion on this about the clock rules and another change that's not getting talked about, which is the cut blocking rules, which is going to have some effect and impact on the service academies. I mean, in yes. fact, all three service academies are effectively revamping parts of their offense due to the changes in the cut blocking rules. Uh, we, we can go into that if we want, because it might be relevant to a game that we're going to talk about later when Navy plays, plays Notre Dame. But the clock rule. Any thoughts? I'll outline it very quickly for everyone if you don't know. Uh, on first down in college football, clock stops. They move the chains. As soon as the chains are set, the clock starts again. Right? That's how you can end up with 95 play college football games. Right? Uh, and also, it helps if you throw 60 times. Right? But Correct. Yeah. The new rule is going to be that just like the NFL, the clock will not stop on a first down, except in the last two minutes of the first half and the last two minutes of the second half. So I have heard people saying, oh, it's going to be crazy. You know, you're not going to have these comebacks and things. Well, no, no, no. You, you could still throw in the middle of the field at the end of each half. Um, you know, so you'll notice in the NFL, when you've got 47 seconds and the ball's on your 20, you're not throwing the ball in the middle of the field because just getting that guy tackled and, and they lay on him and the time to get back and all that. And the clock's still running. That's, that's the only way you'll throw it in the middle of the field is if it's a 30 yard game, right? So college football, it's a very viable tactic. If you can get a first down, you can throw it in the field, middle of the field all day. You don't have to be limited to sideline routes. Um, you know, that was the, one of the things that cracked me up is if you ever watch Jimbo Fisher's teams, whether at Florida state or A&M, he runs two-minute drills as if it's pro football. Every pass is to the sideline. And in fact, the really? game-winning, what would have been the game-winning touchdown against this, Alabama, right? He, he runs his whole offense. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, pretty, that's more accurate. He's allergic to the middle of the field in general. Well, but yes, anyway, good, go ahead. Good Sorry, thing Bobby Petrino <laughs> is completely in charge of the offense this year, Randy. 100%. 100 percent he is and yeah the, right and there's yeah, no right. conflict between them at all yeah right uh, so do you have any thoughts on the clock rule and its effects um they they think it's going to trim a few plays per game they think it's going to reduce scoring slightly what do you think yeah i would probably agree with both of those i mean let's be honest it's a ploy to get games that 
into the three hour window that TV wants them in um, yeah. is where the rule came from. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it'll have some effect on that. I think once people figure it out, it won't be that big of a deal. And I'm fine with it, to be honest with you, because I don't need to see 160 plays. Um, and especially in 110 degree heat at 230, because I mean, TV windows aren't going anywhere and those early games are brutal. Um, the only, the, the biggest concern I would have uh, as a Texas person is some of Sark's biggest question marks have kind of come with clock management at the end of halves uh, and in general. So be interested to see if that uh, rears its head at any point during the season and just in general across college footballs. Uh, head coaches don't seem to be the the best at doing that at all, um, which I understand it's easier sitting on your couch than it is with the headset on, especially when you're trying to call plays and all that stuff. But uh, that would be the part that I would be more uh, curious to see first couple weeks is uh, can an old dog learn new tricks and can you improve on how to actually manage the end of the half and the end of the game? <clears throat> What about the fact that Sark and Texas under Sark have been a pretty slow paced offense and, and game theory would say, if you have the better team, you, you want as many plays as possible because over time, your superiority will assert itself. Whereas the inferior team, whether it's in football, often in basketball wants to shorten the game as much as possible. Yeah, and I, I'm probably wrong on this, but I've always disagreed with that notion. Um, especially it, it, the Herman era just drove me crazy. It's like, well, we just got to go fast because we don't want the defense to substitute. And and that's a lot of the concept of, of a lot of offensive coordinators these days. I would rather my offense have the correct personnel on the field to run the play that I want to run. And I don't give a shit what the defense does because I believe in my concept and my, my you know, my personnel. Um, so that that really doesn't bother me. Um, I, I would rather go slower and call the plays that I like rather than try to force feed a kind of one-size-fits-all playbook with the personnel that I started to drive with. Um, I'm probably in the minority on that. Actually, I'm not probably. I, I am in the minority on that. But uh, that's just kind of the way that I, I look at it. So that's Sark's philosophy. I think that's how. Mm. I, th I think if you ask Sark, that's what he'd say. I, I will say this, and I haven't heard anyone say this, and so maybe the, I'm breaking new ground here, Randy. I think one change that this is going to have is it's very common when you get a first down and the, the clock stops in a college football game that if you, you get out a new personnel group, yes. because that's your opportunity to do substitutions mm. on offense. And then, of course, conversely, the defense has their time for right. substitutions. I think with the running clock, you're not going to have that luxury unless you had that group like queued up, ready to run on the field, right? But if it's happening in the flow of the game, I think if you're an 11, you're pretty much going to stay an 11. I think you'll see a lot more personnel grouping with multiple formations as opposed to different guys specialized formations yeah coming off the sideline like i i think you'll be in 11 and you'll stay in 11 but it'll be you know multiple different uh ways to 
to line up and get guys um, in motion and this and that uh, rather than, Hey, when we run this play, we run this play with this group of people and we're going to run them on the field when we run this play. Yeah. And I think the, that's where Texas is going to have some advantage because I think our 11 yes. personnel is good and, and pretty threatening. And if you can prevent substituting that and keep it moving, kind of, you could prevent defensive substitutions for whatever we're gashing, whatever their base formation they chose to be in. If we're starting to work it over, they don't get the, the unless they want to call a timeout, which timeouts are going to right. become increasingly valuable 100%. under this new rule. 100%. You can't, you know, I think like in the NFL, coaches will tell their quarterback, if you line up and it's not the right formation or something, fix it. Don't look over at me and call a timeout. In college, if you walk up and the formation's wrong, you call timeout and you guys get it squared, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Because you can manage the clock with first downs, right? It's, it's one of my pet peeves of football clock management, Tom Herman being one of the great defenders. Tom Herman thought, you know, three minutes on the clock meant the game was almost over. And I'm wanting to tell the guy, like, dude, they might get two more possessions, like, I don't know what college game you've been watching or coaching this whole time. But as you said, there's a lot of coaches that struggle with it. And here's another point I don't think anyone's ever made. Poker was revolutionized when young poker players could play tens of thousands of hands on a computer simulated over and over and over and over. Right? Yep. And the old salts who played real, like, in-person poker where, you know, at the end of the night, maybe you might not get paid, or you might get shot at, right? They'd say, well, that's all online nonsense. It doesn't apply. You get me across from that guy, he's going to fold. Well, you know what happened? Yeah, when all those didn't. young guys, no, all those young guys got in those tournaments and they ran all those old guys out. And it became a different game. I'm telling you right now, and I know people think I'm being like condescending or a jerk, there's a bunch of 14-year-olds playing on PlayStation who understand clock management better than a lot of coaches. 100% they do. Yep. Because they're getting more reps. Mm -hmm. And they understand the length of a play and they understand like the the yeah. like when and, they're, they're and they're free to screw it up without the consequences of my $5 million contract going out and the window. They're free to screw it up. Yep. And by the way, <laughs> they're not pulling double duty. Uh, you know, they're pretty focused there sitting in their mm -hmm. room eating Cheetos and playing Madden for four hours every day. Yep. And you put in enough of those reps. I swear to God, I've always said that you should just outsource your clock management to some 17 year old phenom who's yep. like sitting in a booth. Going, sit right. Yep. He sits up top next to the OC. Yeah. Or you're, you're good. You're going to run the ball here. Don't score too early. Run the ball. Yep. There you go. All right. Now throw it. <laughs> like, yep. No, you're you're not wrong. All right. So if any of you guys want to challenge the poker analogy, I'm I'm happy to hear it. I, I will say this getting back to your point about the eleven and when whatever, but it just put this in your head. So Texas comes out in eleven and you have let's say it's Brooks and Sanders as the back and the tight end, and you got Worthy Whittington and uh whoever, Mitchell. You can run twelve out of that grouping. Because you can motion Whittington to be the quote-unquote H-back right off the hip of Sanders, who's in line. 
and it he's a good enough blocker to where you're in 12 personnel. In my assuming they're, assuming the opposing defense is in a nickel. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like you, right. you can be in 11 and get to what is a quote unquote 12. Now is Whittington a good a block, good enough blocker to be equivalent to your your backup tight end? I bet he's close enough, especially if they're in nickel. So yeah. that's that's where I'm getting at. Like I, I just think you can you can be in eleven and you can give the illusion of a lot of different sets. Um, I mean, if if you have, I mean, I don't I don't know how. I mean, Brooks is pretty adept as a pass catching catching guy, um, but I mean, you can be you can be in an empty set in eleven as well with that back in the slot. So well, to reinforce your point, at the NFL level. All Sean McVay and Sean McVay, Sean McVay derivative offenses in the NFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Use their base eleven, and they always use one of their more physical wideouts. You'll see them do bunch formations. Yep. And they'll use their more, most physical wideout as the de facto sort of lead blocker when they run their inside and outside zone. So, uh, and they're sometimes running into linebackers. You know, and their goal there is to just get in the way, get in the way, not get 100%. hurt. Yep. Um, but if it's a small, if it's a small, if it's a safety, if it's a corner, their job is to drive that dude off the edge and and you know treat it almost like you're you know a twelve personnel, right? So yeah, that's a very good point. I think that's interesting. Uh, probably don't want Worthy to be that guy, but I like Whittington as that guy. But or yeah, Nagel. more than likely not. Or eh, probably not. Not him either. Oh well, I don't think his knees going to just buck, like buckle from blocking. No, I'm just saying I just don't think you know body wise, and I mean, Ad Mitchell's pretty slight as well. Let's keep those keep those guys doing what they do best. All right, keep our thoroughbreds from pulling a plow. Is that yeah, what you're let's, saying? Let's, yeah, let's let's throw them out there wide and let them do their thing. That's cool. Hey, uh, we got some football games. Man, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, I know. And what's funny is a lot of these games by week six of the college football season. If I saw these on the slate, I'd roll my eyes <laughs> Nobody, yeah, and be right. like, who gives an S, right? Yeah, you're right. You're and right. I'm seeing these games, and I'm like, man, Jacksonville State, is is that's going to be kind of interesting when they play uh, – oh, God knows. I, I forgot who they're playing early. Uh, I'm um, pulling up right now. It's Rich Rod. He's the coach of Jacksonville State. But – um, all right, so what we're going to do, I want to go through a few of these games and just see if you have any thoughts or impressions on any of them. And if you want to know the Vegas line on them, I'm also happy to supply that if you're interested. Let's do it. Oh, UTEP is playing Jacksonville State. UTEP, the there you go. I just saw it. Yeah. So in week five, would you be interested in that game whatsoever? <laughs> Probably, the answer is no. But depending on what time it is, I could be. It's midnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But my point not is, at, not it's five thirty or whatever this says. If is, that so game is on and I'm flipping channels, I'll watch yes. it for a little bit. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. I no, mean, I'm, I'm I'm sick like that as well. Whereas week five, I'll be like, all right, isn't Georgia playing Tennessee or you know whatever? Right. Uh, yeah. All yeah. right. So the first one to kick it all off is happening in in Ireland. Air, Navy, take it on Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a 21 and a half point favorite, which if you know anything about the history of service academies and covering lines, anytime service academies are double digit dogs, they cover that line something like 63% of the time. That said, you do have to handicap in each game individually. I'm not a trend better. 
But do you have any thoughts on that game or or Notre Dame I, in general? Uh, I would take Navy to cover that. Uh, who's Notre Dame's quarterback going to be? Sam Hartman. That's right. I knew that. I take Navy to cover. Uh, I do not like Notre Dame, even though I think Freeman's a good guy and a good coach. He picked the wrong school to coach at. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's super interesting as far as the uh, outcome of the game goes. Yeah, it's the interesting thing about it is, so Navy almost beat Notre Dame last year, and I don't know if you saw the game, but Notre Dame was up big at half, and the Navy went. I'm not exaggerating on every down, zero blitz. Yeah, they just. Cr- I mean, they just like, hey, what do we have to lose? No, I watched, that, I watched that game. It's crazy. They yeah. annihilated the Notre Dame offense. Drew Pine freaked out. And then the Navy just kept running fullback dives and getting big chunk gains. So do you think do you think Hartman was a product of that system over there? Or do you think he can run that style of offense that Notre Dame's going to run? No, I think he's actually good. Good college yeah. quarterback. I agree. Uh, the, the slow mesh thing. Is, is interesting, and I, I love it, and Hartman was really good at it. But people, what that obfuscated is that if you look at the stats in traditional drop-back throws, Hartman was one of the best passers in college football. Yeah. So there's no, no I think, option. I think he's no really RPO. good, too. No. Uh, the problem that Notre Dame is going to have is that their wide receiver core is very unproven, and they don't have a lot of speed. So It's, it's a very possession receiver group but they are playing navy so you know you have to think about the the level of competition also notre dame's offensive line is going to be well, stout yeah so so they're definitely better up front but to your point they're they're just not really positioned to take advantage of that athletic mismatch on the outside because they don't have the the burner or whatever to really if i was navy i'd squat on everything and make them beat you over the top because their guys probably aren't that much more athletic and faster than the, the Navy corners. I mean, they probably are, but not, not to the degree that they probably need to be to take full advantage of that mismatch. Yeah. The thing about, um, I think Notre Dame's going to win the game. I think they're going to win it probably convincingly, but the problem with any service Academy is backdoor covers. Yep. Cause those guys try like all four quarters and they can be out of the game and they'll just keep playing and they play really hard. And so you're not, you ease the foot off the gas pedal. You start to actually play some reserves, maybe even if you open up a big enough lead and then all of a sudden they, they end up scoring freaking 15 points in the fourth quarter with yep. a two point conversion. Right. Pop, and they end up pop two out of nowhere. Cover. Yeah. Yep. It's a pain. I actually have money on Notre Dame minus 20. So we'll see what happens. I probably will regret that. UTEP Jacksonville State. If you have thoughts on that, I'll be very impressed with you. No. <laughs> so talking about how a program can it's, it's at Jacksonville State. That's my uh that's my one oh. thought. Oh, there you go. Whatever that whatever that's worth. That's my that's my thought. That's my contribution. Talk about how a program can can rise up with the right coaching and some recruiting. Jacksonville State beat Florida State a while back. Do you remember that? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, now Florida State's, you know, solidly top 10 team. They're playing LSU in the opener, which is going to be the best opener by far. 
Oh uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. UMass New Mexico State. If you're sick enough to watch this game, you're my kind of guy. New Mexico no, State went I'm, to a bowl last year, baby. I'm, I'm dialed in on the Ohio and San Diego State game at the same time. Sorry. Oh, okay. You got to <laughs> you got to watch the Bobcats take on the Aztecs. Yeah, neither one of those games. None of none of these games really move the needle. So, the interesting thing about San Diego State is there are years because they're they're kind of not the brand you'd think of West Coast football, particularly San Diego. <laughs> Right. But they're they're super physical, just like their basketball team that played for the freaking title. Uh, it, and then Ohio, I think, is actually fairly talented. I think it's one of the more talented. No, I was, was going to say, I think those two teams are probably pretty evenly matched. Honestly, they are. Um, Vegas line so, is two and a half, so you nailed it. Game game wise, I would imagine it's it would be a you know an interesting to watch. Uh, I it, the Massachusetts and Mexico State, I I know nothing about either one of them and really don't care to. So. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, are you going to watch Hawaii Vanderbilt or yeah. San Jose State USC? Well, for one, I'm watching the Hawaii game because I want to see the sumo guy that you were talking about. I don't know if he's going to play. Wait, like, is that, the Hawaii, that's Hawaii. Sum- no, 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 that's no. not Hawaii. Sorry, my sumo fault. Guy plays I want to see the track. I want to see the track star from New Zealand that you were talking about. Yes. Um. But no, I'll, I'll probably that that would be an interesting one just just to see because I kind of like the Vanderbilt head coach um, Clark Lee. I'd just be interested to see how how his squad looks and if I can get an early read on whether or not they may may or may not make some noise, uh, scaring some people in the SEC. Half hour later, San Jose State at USC. Probably watch we- it just just because of the USC angle. I think there's going to be some points scored. Oh, their defense is going to be. They're not going to be much better on defense. I don't. I hate to break it to people, but it's it's going to be a typical Lincoln Riley team. Well, I, I think they'll be better, but it's well, funny when you, you when, you can't get much worse. So that's true. But when you hear national guys talk, oh god, you realize how little they know about the. And I, I don't expect every national guy to know everything about every team, but they were talking up USC on a podcast I was listening to. And the guy was like, and USC got Oklahoma State linebacker Mason Cobb. You know, that that was an elite all-Big 12 linebacker. And I was like, he was a starter at Oklahoma State. He was fine. Like, he was the, above average. Like, relax. The things that I have heard over the last two to three weeks, I wish I should have kept a running list um, on, like, a notepad or something. But it's just I'm, like. Honestly, I'm most, surprised you didn't. The most uninformed opinions that you've ever heard, like, it's just, it's infuriating. All right, but. I got a sweet, I got a sweet game. This one is going to be on the thirty-first, so not Saturday, five p.m. Kent State being hosted by UCF. Hmm. So we've got a MAC team going down to Orlando. It's going to be about ninety-one degrees, about eighty-two percent humidity, and Kent State has the honor of being the only team I've ever seen. And I've been reading college football preview magazines since I was like 11 years old. They return zero starters on offense. None, huh? Kent State, their head coach, wow. took the job to be Dion's offensive coordinator at Colorado. Oh, that's right. That's that guy. You're right. Is it Sean Lewis? Uh, 
don't don't get me lying but that okay that, something along those lines sounds correct okay but yeah you're right that's where he came from okay so kent state by the way had talent yeah it's sean lewis they had talent on their offense so i follow the portal pretty heavily as part of writing the big 12 previews and our mm -hmm. opponent previews kent state's gonna have like four or five dudes that transferred out who are going to be starters at major fbs programs and they also lost their quarterback, of course. Zero starters on offense, and they lost a bunch on defense, and their defense was terrible. So UCF is hmm. minus 37 in this game. I'm telling y'all, there's a good chance UCF covers this. I mean, if they had a bad defense before and their calling card was offense and they returned nobody. yeah, And their would, head coach would... is gone. I'd be willing to I'd be willing to be on your side on that one. That's crazy. Yeah. So we might see a little confidence game there for UCF where they so, they put some points on on so the board and get confident. On the UCF thing, but while we're while we're on them, are are we in agreement that that's probably the best of the four quote unquote newcomers? That is my belief. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I'm predicting them to have a winning record in Big Twelve play. Yeah, I mean, I have them doing the typical Malzahn thing. Like they're gonna they're gonna beat two teams they're not supposed to beat, and they're gonna lose two games at home. Yeah, they they, standard, they are going to, they are standard. going to beat OU in Norman, and they're gonna lose to Kansas. In a Probably shootout. so. Yeah, like that. Calling my shot now. Yep. Because uh, Malzahn is like he picks an opponent in June. Yes. And starts illegally running shit <laughs> in preparation for that. <laughs> and then he ignores some scrub on the schedule and they jump up and beat him. So I think I think his deal is, you know, you you, you always hear people talk about it was like, well, yeah, you know, you know, Texas is running Bama stuff right now. They're just not calling it Bama stuff. There's like, hey, you know, if Rice would so happen to come out in this formation right here <laughs> that Bama tends to like to run on second long. Right. This is probably what we would do. I feel like Malzahn's like, hey, look, guys, hey, I don't care about the Kent State game. Hey, when we play OU in 17 <laughs> yeah. weeks. Yes. And they... <laughs> He's putting in installs in the spring like, game. Yeah, I, th I think that's his deal. He's like, I'm he's not like, trying. Hey, Dylan Gabriel can't throw when he's rolling left. So here's what we're going to practice right now. I need yeah. you to come. We're going to do the corner nickel blitz in this formation. And here's, here's yeah. what you're going to do. Upside defensive end, I need you to angle because Dylan Gabriel's short. You're going to be able to block his pass. And the yeah. players are going to be like, don't we play OU like game seven? He's like, just shut up. This yeah. is who we're preparing yeah. for. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. Coach, isn't he right-handed and six seven? Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> no, All right. I, I... Uh, so we're not going to do next week's games, but I want to talk about the games that happened before sort of week one like these are week zero right zeros uh nc state plays uconn i don't care about that game mm -mm. uh although nc state they're all they're an interesting team in that they're always kind of respectable yes. every year yes I agree and they, with have, that. they always have a bunch of dudes drafted in the nfl every so, year well they're they're in that like random pocket over there of like the virginia's like close enough to that like Chesapeake Bay area where Tidewater. there's just like, that's yeah. You've called it that before, yep. but there's just like, if you look like there's a ton of talent that comes out of that area. It's like a yeah. poor man's Mississippi Delta. Yeah. And, and North Carolina, the state of puts out pretty good talent as well. No. So 
But no, they're uh, always they're always adequate. Yeah, I think that's a good descriptive. That's a very good descriptive. Uh, they're going to go to a bowl. Yep. And they're not going to get blown out. And they've got a good uh, they've got a good defensive coordinator, Tony Gibson. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's good. Once he every ten once every ten years, they'll hit on a quarterback. Yeah, that's go, right. And they'll Phillip go nine Rivers. and they'll go nine and three or ten and you know whatever. But that, for the most part, it's... that quarterback will have nine kids. <laughs> nine, you're light. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, this is a game I'm very interested in. It happens on uh, August 31st as well. It's Florida Utah. That was a great game last year. It was, and here's the interesting thing about it. I was saying sort of midsummer. And I think I was saying this in Bobby's show when we were just talking about the national landscape and you know who's going to win the Pac-12. I was like, I don't think Cameron Rising is going to be back, man. Blowing so, out your knee in the bowl, and he he uses his wheels a lot. He uses his mobility a lot. I was like, I think they're going to save him for conference play, and I think they're just going to take their lumps in non-con. Well, it's since come out that Cam Rising is probably not going to be the starter in that game. So the line has gone from something like. Utah minus eight and a half to Utah minus four and a half. And Florida does travel to Utah. So yes. mm -hmm. well, they'll have to deal with the altitude. Um, you know, it's a big debate. Is it is it harder for the cool weather altitude team to go to Florida or in, in September? Or is it harder for the hot weather team to go play in the mountains, you know, at altitude? Uh, I I think actually, unless you've got serious altitude i actually think super hot humid weather is brutal for people would, who aren't used to it i'd go the other way yeah i'd, I'd agree with that it's also an eight eight o'clock game or seven what am i i'm on eastern time i don't know but it's at utah this time but it's 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 a night game let's put it's a night game let's put it that way so it is but it's at utah that's my right point. but i'm saying so you take any potential heat out of the equation so you're just dealing with altitude yeah, I don't. There, there ain't going to be any. Utah I'm pretty sure. That pretty Florida sure. Can't pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure Florida would be okay with that. So um, here's the interesting thing about Florida. Um, I don't know that I care that Can Rising's playing. To be honest with you. That's see, that's interesting. I think a lot of people credit and attribute him with sort of the rise of Utah. I don't. And I wonder if it's more of that tight end and their system. I mean, I just, I mean, winning. I just, I like winning him. Yeah. Interesting thing about Billy Napier. Terrible season last year. Who's they, their quarterback? They, uh, the dude from Wisconsin. No, I don't know. I, I know who it is, but... Graham Mertz. Who, but who's their quarterback? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I would be interested to see how that plays out over the course of the year. So apparently their philosophy, Florida's, is going to be almost Big Ten. Like classic yeah. Big Ten old school football. They're going to run the ball. They're going to shorten the game. And they're going to throw play action. That was kind of his MO before. Yeah, that was what he did at Louisiana, right? Yep. Uh, I think, I think this game could be interesting. I, I don't know if Utah can replace Dalton Kincaid, man. That guys tight ends like that don't grow on trees. No, you're right. A, you're right on that. That guy's a stud. I just don't know that Florida's going to be able to line up and run the ball on them because you know they're going to have 14 different Polynesian guys that can trade out on the defensive line that are all probably pretty good. Yeah, they probably platoon them by island of origin. They're yes, like, put yeah. in the Samoans. All right, yep. put in the Tongans. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, that's a game that'll catch my attention. I'll watch it. I'm actually, I've got money on Florida on this one. 
but I made those bets back when the line was huge. What was what was it when what do you got it at? Oh, uh, like uh, the money line was like plus two thirty, and then I have yeah. Florida plus ten and a half, and I barely had to tease it up. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And I think that game's going to be short. I think both teams are going to run the ball, and then we might I actually agree. see this play clock roll. This play clock rule. So when teams run tempo, it's not going to be super relevant. But when two teams sort of milk the clock and hand the ball mm-hmm. off, I I think it's going to be. I think we're going to have some two and a half hour games. Yeah, no. Th- this is a this is a one nothing pitchers duel in two hour type game. You're right. Oh, Randy's already getting excited over there. Yep. Uh, Nebraska Minnesota. Nebraska. I was going to say that'd be good. That one will be over early, and then I can go catch the end of the Nebraska Minnesota game. There you go. So I want to ask you about this. Nebraska's plus eight. Minnesota minus eight. Minnesota's hosting. Um, PJ Fleck gets a lot of grief for being a weirdo. He is. Teams play really hard. And if you follow Matt Rule, year one is always a is always a disaster. Year one is a blow it up and start over year. He blows it up. He, I mean, I'm talking to a dude who uh, understands building and contracting. This is not yeah. a mild rehab. This is tear it down to the studs and start over with good material. Uh, this, this didn't even tear it down to the studs. This is implode. Okay. <laughs> Get it all out of the way and start it's over. Wrecking ball. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. That's his that's, style. That's that his has style. been his history. That was his history at Baylor. That was his history yep. at Temple. At Nebraska... He may have a little better material. Do we do we think that Nebraska is competitive in this game, or does Minnesota take care of it? No, I I agree. I I think he probably doesn't need to go full scale demo mode on this. Uh, I would imagine, and I I don't I don't know a ton ton about the Nebraska deal. Um, he's a good enough coach, and they should have good enough players to where it's a it's a lot milder of a, of a starting point than what he's been doing here recently. Um, I would say they're a competitive, uh, they're, they are, excuse me, they are competitive in this game, but I still like Minnesota. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so, and you're right. You're right on Fleck. He's weird as hell, but he's a good coach. I think he's a guy that when you were a freshman in college, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. And then by the time you're a junior, you're rolling your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> like probably so. Yep. Uh, he's a he's a if it pays off, I'll put up with it guy. Yes. But if he quits winning games, he's going to lose people pretty quick. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I think I think he's a Midwestern Jeff Trailer, but not quite as good as Jeff. Jeff's pretty slick. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I I, I wouldn't put him on that level either. But no, same same type of. Same type of uh, deal. Yeah. I, all right. So there's two games on Friday I'm actually interested in. Uh, next Friday, not this Friday. Mm-hmm. Central Michigan at Michigan State. Now, before you give me the WTF look, hear me out. Michigan State has a Charlie Strong feel to it. Oh, where 100%. Yes. They've got talent, and they've got a defensive former defensive star, defensive coordinator coach, right? Mel Tucker, whose expertise is supposed to be the defensive backfield. And Michigan State never fields good defensive backs. And under his tutelage, at least. And 
they had a, a hard transfer portal. They lost their best player on offense. They lost probably their they lost their starting quarterback. I don't know how good Peyton Thorne was. He's, he's going to be the starter at Auburn now. But they lost Keon Coleman, who is an NFL wide receiver, and he's going to be starting for Florida State. So Florida State just got nasty. They've got Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. Uh, Keon Coleman was good enough and athletic enough to get real minutes on Michigan State's basketball team. So they have a pretty good coach, I hear. Yeah, exactly. Izzo. <laughs> Mel Tucker is not Tom Izzo. Central no. Michigan, I don't know a ton about them, the Chippewas, but I do know they've got a tradition of wall. offensive line play and Chippewa. Chippewa. It's a hard, yeah, there you go. They, uh, how, dare, how dare you disrespect them? One of their, they alternate quarterbacks, and you know, one of their quarterbacks, I'll be impressed if you remember this guy. I, I don't, but I remember they alternate. Bert. <laughs> Bert Emanuel Jr. He is the son of Bert Emanuel, who was uh, where, where really was good he from he, Houston. That's right. Okay, yeah. Bert, Bert Emanuel was a really good quarterback at Rice, and he was such a good dual threat quarterback. He, they converted him to wide receiver in the NFL, and he had That's like right. a nine year career. Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. his son Bert Emanuel Jr runs and looks exactly like his dad. He can't throw just like his dad. But if he gets some blocking, this guy can take over a game just running the ball. Yeah, I think I think Michigan State's prime to uh ball flat and yeah. that that's going to they're going to be in a they're going to be in a uh really really tough situation with the amount of money that they promised to uh Mr. Tucker, after he had a transcendent running back his first year. COVID year. That mm -hmm. COVID year fooled a lot of people across yep. the country. So yep. anyway, the point is Michigan State is a 14 and a half point favorite. I might I take a look at the old Chippewas. Yeah, that, that, that'd be very, very enticing. I would agree with that. And then the other game I'm mildly interested in is Louisville, Georgia Tech, because... Not because I know Georgia Tech's going to be bad, but Louisville has a coach. Jeff Brom's a good football coach. Yes. And I, yep, I agree. They've got some talent. So the interesting thing about this game is I want to see if Louisville is going to be the dark horse of the ACC that can pull, you know foist an upset on a Clemson or an FSU. Do you think you'll find out enough in this game to know that or just enough to kind of pique your interest to keep track of them? I think I don't, it's, I don't know about I don't know that Georgia Tech's really going to answer that question. No, it's the latter. It's the latter. It's yeah. like, oh, this is interesting. Also, Louisville is minus eight. I think probably. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think hmm. Jeff Brom is a dude who wants to come out and make a statement. So I agree with that. Yeah, I'd take I'd take that. Yeah, he he was a really good coach at Purdue. And of course, he was a former Louisville quarterback. Uh, so he, this is like his homecoming. Louisville got a serious upgrade when they got Brom at, court, at, at head coach and lost For sure. Satterfield. They yeah, shuffled them off to Cincinnati. A, yeah, that's a great, great turn of events for them. You're but right. ask Brett Yormark, Randy, and he'll tell you yeah, that that Cincinnati-Texas Tech game in 2024 is going to get big numbers. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Just wait until they... Put the Royal Rumble in at halftime. <laughs> Freaking clown. Uh, what do you got right, on so the battle? What do you got on the battle of the Miamis? Miami of Ohio and Miami Hurricanes. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I think the real game to test Miami is going to be when the Aggies come in there a little, a little later. Yeah, I, I think a is going to win I'm that game, not, by the way. I'm just not – I'm not sold on on Cristobal down there. The, the, the prodigal son returning just typically just – it just doesn't work out. He just, succeeded at Oregon. I, yeah, I know, but he didn't go to school at Oregon. All right. Well, what what is preventing him from succeeding at Miami? I'm just saying that, like in 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 general, the the chosen one returning home very rarely works out. Is Miami a job that it? You could make a really good argument that's a, it's an amazing job, and you could make a really good argument that yes. it's really a, a vastly overrated job. I, I don't know enough about it. Um, it should be, you would think, but at the same time, I can see the negatives as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they beat Miami of Ohio. That was kind of a just a teaser question, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, yes, he did well at Oregon, but I think Oregon's set up uh, in a kind of a special circumstance to be yeah, pretty successful up there regardless. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Miami moving forward, ACC and all that good stuff as well. Yeah, I um, very interested. Also, it's an interesting example of a a team where there's been a change in the environment or the coaching and you've seen the quarterback just die because of Van Dyke two years ago was really like promising yeah. good quarterback. Last year he was the worst quarterback I watched other than Brennan Armstrong at Virginia Oof. who was dominant two years ago. Last year he was awful. And I think people attribute that to the coach at Virginia, Tony Elliott, who came from Clemson, uh, Virginia, which is weird to think of because they've always been, or at least in my prime, they were very respectable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a bad football team. Like, real bad. Like, yeah. they open at Tennessee. I think they're going to get shellacked. And then the next week, they play James Madison. I might I might bet James Madison in that game. Uh, and I might bet a money line. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. No, you're right. I mean, I remember growing up and there was a Bill Dawson had to make a kick at a probably a Thursday night game or something oh, yeah. like that against Virginia. But yeah, they're not they're not that anymore, that's for sure. No. They and they, they used to have good talent. But man, it is drained away and they're really poorly coached. And that's a that's a bad combo, right? Yeah, yeah, they they've been <laughs> yeah, they've been they've been bad. Just not not even I don't know much about records or whatever, just the the few times that I've ran across them on TV. It's just like, this is just not, this is not a good football team. Yeah. So, all right, we diverted a little bit. We talked about some non-UT football, mostly just to satiate our college football appetite. These are the teams we've got until we can get to Rice in Texas and, of course, Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Uh, I don't think I've asked you this. What do you, what do you think is going to happen with Texas this year? What, what do you think season, why, you know, season long, what's, what's the record? What do you think is going to happen? What's the upside? What's the downside look like? We wouldn't have to do a big exploration. I'm just curious. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I would set the my middle ground at, or my prediction at probably 10 and 2. How, how that happens, I'm not sure. Uh, a lot of it hinges upon what happens in week two. Um, 
just coming off of last year, I would have. I mean, I, th- I, I mean, I think they'll be the more talented team in probably every game except the Alabama game. And you can make an argument that they're the more talented team in that game. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, probably not on the defensive side. Not sure on that. But um, I mean, could they go twelve and zero? Yeah. But I, I would say anything less than nine and three would be pretty surprising to me. And that nine and three would have to be, you know, some things went pretty crazy in a couple games where ball just didn't bounce your way or whatever. But I'd say 10 and two or uh, 11 and one is kind of where I'm landing. I just, the Bama game kind of, I it, that would be kind of the, the, I guess the benchmark to where I'd, I'd let you know on just, uh, how I felt about conference play. But, I mean, I, I think the Big 12 is deep. Um, I just think Texas is more talented than most of the depth. Yeah, unless we have a TCU-style emergence team that just surprises yes. us. Right. You know, could, could be UCF, for all we know, right? Could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think the Big 12 has a bunch of average – to good teams that are have fatal flaws yes and texas doesn't have a lot of fatal flaws and i know texas fans are like well one edge position we're not sure and one linebacker dude that's not a fatal flaw like that's a college football team yeah that can be schemed that can be schemed around i mean there's big 12 teams that are like uh we returned these good guys on offense but we graduated every defensive back and we're replacing them with three juco's and a transfer right. from you yep. know Weber State, so that's that's a different level of fatal flaw than yep. us saying is David Benda going to perform? Like that's a different mm-hmm. level. Uh, so I agree with you. Ten and two seems like the fat part of the bell curve for me in the regular season. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to probably pay for this. I think eleven and one is more likely than nine and three. I'd like to agree with that. I just, I need to see. Yeah, I, I got to see the first three yeah. games, four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't disagree that that's probably the correct take. Uh, just allowing for, I mean, let's put it this way. If if they beat Bama week two, then yes, you're right. And then yeah. you allow for one random, hey, a, 20 year, a bunch of 20-year-olds had a bad day, right? Yep. Um, Which is very, very likely, but... um. They're they're gonna out talent everybody, but we've been doing that recently. Um, but I, I, I like I said, I, it, I, I just I'm I'm hard pressed to find a bunch of flaws that that are real, real, real head scratching issues for for myself at this point. So eight and four, we got your marked. Yes. You're right. I mean, there's some stuff going on. There's injuries. So, there's crazy things happening. And it's it's hard for me to envision because here's the good thing is even at nine and three or ten and two, hmm. Texas is probable to qualify for the Big Twelve title game. So that's my two things is we, we should play for the Big Twelve title. Yep. And then then last year, you know, if you remember I said eight and four or seven five, depending on what it looks like, right? You know, it it could be 
could be something that I could stomach depending on how it shakes out. Eight and eight and four this year is not really a depending on what it looks like type thing, unless it's, Hey, a bunch of people got hurt. You got a job in a couple games type situation. Like, I think, I think anything worse than nine and three and you're asking hard questions. Yeah. And I think the important thing is to get in the big 12 title game. Yes. Because I can tell you now preseason, and I know no games have been played, but we're going on perception and information we have now. There is no team in the Big 12 that Texas, if you ask Vegas people to set a line, Texas against Big 12 opponent, any team, Texas will be more than a touchdown favorite in the Big 12 title game. Irrespective of what happened in the regular season. Yeah, I can't argue against that. Unless unless somebody's hurt. Like a yeah. key, key, key component. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, let's... But all yeah. things considered, 100%, you're correct. Yes. So that's where you want to be. And ultimately, yep. yes, I want to go to the playoffs. Yes, I want to play in an awesome bowl. Uh, I want to win the Big 12. No, that's that would be, it. even that's, more so now. Yes, after <laughs> 100%. Jackass, but yes. No, you're right. Yeah. So... Uh, who do you think is going to be better, the offense or the defense? Ooh, that's tough. Can I have a caveat? No. No caveats? Okay, you can have a caveat. One? You- I just want one. You didn't say please, but I'll give it to you anyway. Okay, please. His name's Jalen Catalan. Yeah. And if he plays in more than nine games this year, the answer is a defense. I think I might agree with you. If I not, wanna... if not, it's a toss-up, but I would go offense because I think that is a linchpin to where the style of play may shift a little bit. So I was talking to someone and said, outside of injuries or your marking and all the nonsense or getting jobbed or crazy stuff, asteroid strikes the stadium, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the things where we might not play at the level that we're hoping or expecting will be Interior offensive line play. Question mark, for sure. And not a specific position on defense. Jalen Catalan not being able to play most of the games. And Pete Kwiatkowski. I still want to see him show the learning that Sark has been talking about all Mm offseason. Which is basically, hey dude, nicely, without undercutting his defensive coordinator... Telling him, hey, dude, third and third and six, fourth and seven, you got to get up on these guys, and you got to make no. the quarterback make a throw. No, valid point. So, I think those are the on the field coaching strategic reasons Texas could be nine and three instead of ten and two, or eleven and one, or whatever we want. Right. Uh, outside of player injury, bad luck, all that stuff that we can't really even think of or control for. So but- that's kind of my feeling. Let, let me ask you this. I think we both agree that Catalan's probably the, the most important uh, part of the defense moving forward. We've correct on that. I think it's, it's Jalen Ford, it's, actually. Okay. I was going to say, outside of him, who would be your, your most important? But I guess that answers that question. Yeah, I think it's Jalen Ford. I, okay. think we can, I think we can weather some bad play or injuries at cornerback, oh, I, defensive line. In that instance, yes, you're correct. If If... Catalan goes out, we have solutions. If Ford goes out, 
I, I don't, I would question whether or not we do, but I'm assuming health across the board, who, who aside from Catalan is your, I guess your, Hey, this guy needs to really perform at the level that we expect him to guy. Alfred Collins. Collins. Okay. Mine's yeah. Burke. Mine's Burke. Yeah. But so Collins, maybe we may be thinking the same thing. It, actually. We could, we could <laughs> be talking about the same position on the field. Yeah, we might with be two different people. You're right. You're right. Very much so. Very, very yeah. possible. So very the possible. games where Burke could be exploited, you know, slide over Collins. Maybe slide Collins out there. No, you're, that's yeah. a, that's a very good point. But getting a guy in our front. You should write a book. I should write a book. It should be 177 <laughs> pages long and have amazing photos and great recruiting info from Eric and Aline. Uh, yeah. And I should sell it and see great sales up until kickoff gets close and then yeah, just... watch it. Watch it plummet like the Dow Jones in 2008. <laughs> well, if it kept selling, you couldn't write another one next year. So oh, I'm really, gotta, what this proves is that. I'm an idiot writing a seasonal book. I need to write <laughs> an evergreen book that people will buy for the next 20 years. But yeah, well, I'm not that strategic. There but, you go. Uh, yeah, man, I, I agree. I think we're thinking about this the same. And I'm just excited. I'm fired up for the season. No, I, yeah, I agree. And usually when I'm fired up for seasons, I have a lot of hope intermixed with my analysis and when i write the book i'm like all right well we're not gonna i'm we're gonna lose that game or we're probably gonna drop these two because of this deficiency i don't look at the schedule and go well that's an l that's just sorry yeah. I, I don't look at tuscaloosa at bama and i have a ton of respect for them in fact if you read the book i try to sort of get people to we're like, we're going to blow them out. And I'm like, eh, they got a bunch of like really good dudes on their team still. Yep. Uh, but I don't see the loss like, oh, well, that's going to be a, that's going to be brutal. Right. That team's mm -hmm. going to crush us. That team's going to outcoach us. We're not going to win there. I mean, I'll be honest. There were some years, Texas OU, where I was like, well, we'll lose to OU. They're going to outcoach us. Um, and they've got, you know, I know what's going to happen. I know what it's going to look like. And we just need to win these other games and hopefully OU stumbles, right? Right. I don't feel that way. You still, what was your, what was, I can't remember. We did this back in the day, but what was your big 12 title prediction? Title game prediction. Sorry. Oh, for this year? Yep. So I did all my numbers and my subjective and objective analysis. And I had three teams tied behind Texas at number two. So it's going to be a tie break. I have Texas going eight and one in conference and being the number one qualifier for the big 12 title game. And then I have three teams tied at six and three and that's Texas tech, Kansas state and OU. OU. Now OU, a lot of that I have to admit was influenced by their schedule. It's, oh, just it's, so, okay. it's, it's, cake. it's so favorable, yeah. but yeah. Ian made the point to me and I think it's valid. Like, Hey, if they're not good, that's true. They're not good. Then, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And they're just going to like, they're going to get outscored by SMU or, or UCF or freaking Kansas. I mean, it's, and people yeah. are like, Oh, what's OU? That's not going to happen. Hey man, go watch OU last year. That was a, it's, happen it's happened before. Yeah. That was a disorganized, uh, poorly prepared team many weeks when they, when they went out there. So I'm very, that that's, I, I mean, I don't care, so it's not that interesting to me. But I'll I'll have an eye on them throughout the year just to see what's going on over there because I, I 
I, I'm on the record already as believing that I think they're think they're um, yeoman like hires. Uh, they may have missed on this one. <laughs> yeoman like hires. <laughs> I don't know they why may, that makes me laugh. They may have whiffed. So I've been, I've been spending too much time up around Cameron. Oh, the Cameron Yo. God dang, yo, man. The, that took the, me. I got it. I yo, got man, it. That took you way too long. It's late. That, I know. That, I, I don't really know 3A football super well, man. Hey, they're so. all four. They're 4A now, I think. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, so <laughs> very good chance, though, that OU comes into Dallas 5 0. Oh, 100. Yeah, I Arkansas think that's Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, yeah. Cincinnati, and Iowa State. That's a given. And they, mean, can sleep, they can sleepwalk through those. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if the Stone Age gets introduced to OU with Preston Stone at SMU, right? Um, so, kind of quietly, SMU. I don't. So, the most hilarious, we got to cover this really quickly. Uh, SMU in talks with the ACC saying, you don't have to give us TV money for seven we years. We don't need any money. We don't We're good. need it. We're a bunch of rich we money. guys. You know how much oil money we got? We're good. Just and let us play with you. Just let us come point, play. Point two, and this is brilliant by SMU, and part of the reason they worked the, the portal pretty well in the offseason. Every SMU player, their NIL is 30 grand. If you're a scholarship player playing for the SMU Mustangs, you get 30 grand a year. Now, that ain't a bad deal, dude. No, not at all. You were on a what? Especially if you don't pay for anything. I was you on a thirty. On a I was on fifty-eight percent scholarship. Thirty percent. <laughs> okay, thirty <laughs> percent. But you got meals. You got a weight got room. Meals. I got meals in a weight room. Yeah. Uh, but think about SMU and think about being a college guy. You're eighteen. You play five years at SMU. You're yeah. just a, a third stringer. You're getting all of your room, all your board. They changed the meal stuff so the, the players are getting meal, meals. Eat even anything on they want. Yeah, and you eat anything they want. Yep. If you're from Dallas, Randy, you could live at home in the summers and get the stipend for housing. Yep. Which, as you probably know, Austin dudes did that right on your baseball 100%. 100%. team. 100%. Um, and you get your 30 grand. Dude, you can graduate SMU having never played a down of football for them, and you've got. Four years of Roth IRA built up, down payment for a house, no bills, and an not, SMU tree. Not in Dallas. Well, all right. Uh, let's let's go out. <laughs> unless to, you know, uh, unless you know Laura. Let's go to. Well, that's right. She goes that high. Let's go yeah. to Hereford. Yeah, there let's you go. go. To, let's you're go good out there. to like. Uh, but no, you're 100 percent right. 100 percent right. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty sweet, man. Yeah, that's no, a great. Well, great imagine gig. if you're good. Now imagine if you, get, you get extra NIL. And you get, yeah, you get some actual, yeah, other, yeah. No, nah, it's it's a good gig if you can get it. Not bad, man. But the, yeah, that ACC deals that's pretty nuts. But I, it's, I mean, it's, we don't watch your money. We just want to play with you. What else? What else are they going to do? <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, we're hiring. Like this the is what the position pays, and you're like, yeah, yeah. I don't want you to pay me. I just want to hang out at the office. That's the most. That's like the most like <laughs> Dallas oil money thing ever. Like, no, we don't need your money. We're good on that. Yeah, we're good on money. <laughs> we're just trying to play. We're just trying to raise our prestige level. Yeah, that's yeah, we're awesome. Trying to get, we're trying to get back in the game, man. We're just trying to get back in the game. Hey, God bless them, man. That's I, awesome. I I appreciate the the honesty of like, hey, that's a flex though. 
right? Oh, 100% it is. Absolutely. <laughs> that's so awesome. Good, that's a good one. I wish I could make that flex. But hey, I, tell I, you what. Tell I you what for the next flex. seven years, I just want to hang out. <laughs> yeah, you know, Texas could do that flex, but we're too greedy and, and bureaucratic oh, yeah, to yeah, pull no, that off, yeah, right? No, yeah, like, who's going to pay the 2,800 employees at Belmont? Yeah, there's who, too many mouths. Yeah, too many mouths. Seven envelopes a day, and then they're yeah. done. Um, yeah. yeah. So props to the to the Stangs for pulling that off. And uh, and you know, there's different. We've talked about this, but there's different ways of doing NIL. And there's the there's the spread the love NIL. Everyone's guaranteed to get their piece. And then there's the focus on stars NIL. Right? Let's pay this guy 400 grand to come to SMU. Yep. And uh, you know, SMU's settled into. They got a good story to tell, man, mm-hmm. for a group of five school. That's uh, they got good uh, facilities as well. That's an early. That's an early game on ESPNU that first weekend. I may may check that one out and see what the old the old stoners got. SMU OU? Uh, no, it's SMU uh, LaTeX. Oh, first, La first weekend. First not, weekend. Not just to, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, just to see what they look like because there's eh, the the first Saturday. Uh, 11 o'clock kick slates pretty uh pretty sparse other than the TCU Colorado game just for the Dion ass kicking. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's going to be good. What's it's the spread on that game? It's got to be more than 20, right? Yeah, 21. it's got to be. Yeah, it's yeah, it's be actually gone between 19 and a half and 21. At the height of the Dion hype, it was 19 and a half. And now I think real betters from Vegas have started to Jumped put in, in money there. and now it's now it's 21 last i looked but you know tcu could start slow uh you know they've got Possible. a bunch of guys to break yeah, in new, and new offense all that good stuff i just i think tcu's got a defense and particularly they've got defensive backs and i think shador sanders is going to get a rude awakening to what a higher level yeah. fbs secondary looks like yes very much so tcu's got they've got two dudes who i know will play in the nfl and I think yeah, they've got no, a couple of others who probably will. So yeah, no, it's a big, big yeah. difference throwing the guys that are open in uh, against Grambling, whatever level that was versus yeah, the quote unquote, quote unquote open and open being a quarter step on somebody. Yeah, exactly. So all right, man. Well, we hadn't, we didn't talk for a week. We took a week off. We caught up. I think we just recorded a mega podcast. So hopefully, everyone enjoyed it. Uh, Randy, anything you want to say before we head out? I don't think so. I'm just excited. Football's back, ready to get this thing going, and ready to uh, get into talking about actual games instead of hypothesizing about all this stuff. Amen, brother. On that note, for Randy Boone, I'm Paul Wadlington saying, hook him. Hook him. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas, even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado. You need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, If you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.